Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. Uh, we will be joined by Chris Ashcraft, who is the acting president of STEER, which is South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable. But first... I want to talk to you about our latest issue of Shale Magazine, in which our cover is Sarah Ortwine, who is the president of XTO Energy, of course, a company, an energy company that's based in beautiful Houston, Texas. This is definitely an issue that you don't want to miss. And we were actually pretty happy and proud to have her on the cover, um, as there's just not a lot of women executives uh, in the energy sector. And so we were able to tell her story, talk about the great company XTO, as well as um, just kind of introducing uh, our listenership and our fan base to XTO, the energy company. So be sure to go to shale, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's shellmag.com to read the story in its entirety. Before we bring on David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, to talk oil, gas, and, of course, some politics, I want to tell you about the latest thing that's happening in 2019 within the Oil Patch Radio Show. We are so excited to have a partner coming on board, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, John Tatera, and his team will be coming into studio and fielding any questions that come in live via Facebook and or via email to our office wanting to discuss anything you want to know about oil and gas. And I mean anything. So you could send in questions on the environment, global warming, seismicity, air quality, water, you name it. But what we definitely want is your involvement. So feel free to send us your questions beforehand to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com or go to our Facebook page and send us a message. As we're doing it live, we'll be making these announcements and you can send us your question right then and there or call in as well. This will begin in January 2019, but get your questions in early. I highly encourage you to get informed, get involved and get engaged. But now it's time for me to welcome the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show this week. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. Um, listen, I want to jump into uh, a lot of questions that are uh, going on pertaining to oil and gas and prices. So let's uh, start off because uh, we have a short window of time with you this week. Let's talk a little bit about the oil prices. And, um, you know, they're they're pretty weak. Natural gas has remained strong for this week. And some people are thinking that it might go a little higher natural gas in the winter. Um could this be a long-term effect? And what is going on with crude prices? We've we've um, we, we've hit what fifty-one, fifty-two, so it's going up a little bit. But uh, where are we going with crude prices too? Yeah, so on um, gas prices, uh, you know, I, I continue to think that uh, th this is going to be a, a short-term 
price jump, uh, you know, into the 450 to $5 range. Um, but I think it's probably going to last throughout the winter. But, it, you know, ultimately you're going to have a supply response from the industry activating a bunch more rigs to drill at these higher prices and, and the price will go back down because they'll oversupply the market again. And that's just kind of, you know, that's just kind of the treadmill we're on with gas prices and yeah, we're going to be there for, for a number of years to come. Uh, oil price, of course, is a lot more volatile and uh, unpredictable, obviously. Uh, and, you know, so much is going to depend on what OPEC and Russia, the OPEC plus countries do. When they meet on the uh, 7th and 8th of December, they're going to set their new uh, export quotas for next year in the face of a, an economy that is showing signs of weakening globally. And uh, that's going to mean some, somewhat lower demand growth. So it's going to be harder, I think. You know, they've done a great job of, of strengthening the price over the last two years, just like they wanted to. But it's going to become harder and harder for them to do that going into the future if demand slacks off because, you know, production in the United States is going to continue to grow for the foreseeable future. And uh, that's just means uh, more and more pressure on these OPEC plus countries to cut their own production. And uh, sooner or later, they're going to get tired of doing that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't see, I, I, you know, I have been saying 75 at the end of the year all year. Uh, obviously, I don't think we're going to get there. Uh, and I think we're probably going to be somewhere between 50 and 55 uh, between now and the end of the year. Interesting. And how quickly things can change. But I'm glad you you discussed that, um, you know, it just looks like the U.S. producers are going to continue to produce and produce. And there was an article that came out in Bloomberg uh, this past week, and it was discussing, well, the title it was Texas is OPEC's worst nightmare. And uh, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, pretty dramatic right there. But... It is getting harder and harder for OPEC to know, you know, what to do uh, because of the U.S. producers. So so let's talk that through. What's happening there? You know, Permian Basin is going to come online here. The, the pipelines are coming online. How is this going to impact uh, the OPEC countries? Yeah, and that was the thrust of that article. It, it was really good. Well done. Well written article and uh, well reasoned. Uh, the thrust was basically, you know, right now. Permian production, uh, there's there's something of a lid on it, although it continues to grow, but it's going to grow much more rapidly once all these pipelines come online and you, you no longer have this transportation bottleneck uh, coming out of that basin. And that's going to start happening over the next 12 months. Uh, and the reality is, uh, in two years, we're going to go from having a shortage of pipeline capacity to having a major surplus of it. So these producers are going to drill wells and try to fill that capacity up. And, you know, we added a, almost 2 million barrels per day of production in the U.S. just in the last 12 months. And we might add that much more again over the next 12 months. And at the same time, though, OPEC is responding by cutting and taking, uh, yeah. you know, oil and crude off the world market. So, you know, my question uh, to you the other day when we spoke about this, so I'll ask you uh, to tell me, wh where is the bottom for OPEC when they finally say the more we pull back, are we in that potential where the more we pull back, the more the United States producers, you know, go and drill and fill up that, uh, you know, that void. So they're kind of really in a bad pickle. They are. It's, it's a real conundrum, you know, because they don't want lower prices. 
But on the other hand, they can't just continue to cut their own production. Now, the Saudis uh, have raised their, their production by 2 million barrels a day themselves over the last year. And they, so they have a lot of room to reduce, you know, and, and they can sustain that in their economy. But countries like Nigeria and Libya and Iraq, you know, these, these countries that, whose economies are just in horrible shape, really can't afford to, to continue to take oil off the market because that's what drives their economy. So at some point, you know, they're going to reach a, a point of, of no return on this deal. And that could happen in the next few years. True. And and what makes the difference is these other, these, you know, OPEC countries, when they drill, it's the government that owns that. So they can regulate it. The United States. Right. No. No, you can't. Yeah, there's no mechanism to tell our industry in the United States to stop drilling. That just doesn't exist. Yeah, free market. Exactly. Yeah, 5,000 5, independent companies doing, doing their <laughs> Yeah, say what? Do what? Yeah. Um, so, David, uh, the American Energy Alliance uh, commended President Trump this week for his um, threat, if you will, nice threat, that he may be ending uh, federal subsidies for uh, electric cars. Yeah. And um, do you think he's seriously c- considering doing this? Because I think that the electric car is a pretty popular... Uh, the Teslas are a, a pretty nice car for a few people yeah. who can afford to drive them. Well, but, you know, think about that. That's a subsidy for a $100,000 automobile that uh, rich people buy, right? And uh, I think there's a very legitimate question why the federal government should be subsidizing. It's no different than subsidizing Maseratis or, or Jaguars, right? So why is the federal government doing that in principle, subsidizing the purchase of cars by, by wealthy people? Uh, on the other hand, you know, the government thinks has thought it has an interest in promoting electric vehicles for, uh, you know, the what I think is kind of mythical uh, environmental benefits that they bring, because they really don't bring the environmental benefits. People think they do, but, but that's another question. So, I, I, you know, the thing is, it wouldn't really be that huge an impact, uh, I think, on the Teslas of the world. Uh, it might be on General Motors and Toyota and these other more traditional companies that are having a really hard time selling their electric cars. Um, but, you know, the, the other reality is a lot of states have incentives, too, incentive programs. And, and so I think what would happen if the federal subsidies went away is you'd probably see a big push in the states to, to increase their own. Probably end up being a zero-sum game. President Trump was responding you know, when I mentioned that, that General Motors and these other companies have a hard time selling these cars, he was responding to the fact that General Motors is going to lay off 15,000 American workers and stop manufacturing the Chevy Volt, their, their own electric vehicle, uh, because it's not selling. They can't sell the car. And uh, the reason they can't sell the car is it's much more expensive than a gasoline-powered car of the same size and class. So it is a problem for American automakers. And... Uh, you know, those subsidies are pretty important for them. But for Tesla, it's it's less of a problem. Uh, well, David, it's uh, you know crazy where we're heading with cars. But that is all the time that we have for this week. I look forward to having you on next week because next week is actually going to be pretty special. We'll actually get you for a lot more time. You'll be on the show for at least half of the show instead of just a segment. So we look forward to that. We will see you next week. Great. I'll look forward to being there. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, we will be joined by Chris Ashcraft, who is the acting president of STEER. And we'll be right back with more in the oil patch. 
In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. As oil prices have dropped, so have prices at the pump. Americans are averaging around $2.50 a gallon right now, nearly a dollar cheaper than they were two months ago. Texas has some of the cheapest gasoline in the country, just above $2 a gallon. Both state and national numbers are the lowest in a year. However, these prices may not last long. Russia announced yesterday that it is ready to work with Saudi Arabia to bring down production and balance the market. While the Saudis are reportedly looking for $80 a barrel to balance their budgets, Russia's President Putin said that $60 would cover their needs. WTI gained $1.05 yesterday to end at $51.30 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Oilfield experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we are joined by Chris Ashcroft. Chris, it's been a while since you've been on our show, so it's a great treat to have you on our show. You currently are the acting CEO of STEER, which STEER stands for South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable. And what a great supporter of the show your organization has been, so thank you. Uh, But before we get started with talking a little bit about the Eagle Ford and y'all's mission or the things that you guys have been working on for the past couple of years, tell us a little bit about what is the mission of STEER First? Well, first, thank you for having us on again. We always appreciate that opportunity to talk about our industry, our, our role in the communities, and, and, and what our industry means to our society as a whole. And in terms of what the Eagle Ford and with STEER, that's what we really are at the end of the day. We're a bridge between industry and the communities in which we work and live. We're, we're the face, we're the name of the oil and gas industry so that we can work with everyday community members down in South Texas in the Eagle Ford and in San Antonio to talk about what is our industry? What is oil and gas? How do we impact their lives? How can we work together on impacts we're seeing in those communities that are both positive and also may have uh, impacts that aren't as positive? And when we see those, how can we collectively utilize our resources together as an industry to make sure we're leaving the, this beautiful region better off than we ever entered it. But the key to that is partnerships and, and going there and truly listening to stakeholders and, and caring about what they have to say, not us going in there and deciding what to do, but just forming those relationships and making sure that we all work together for the maximum benefit of everyone. You know, Chris, you, you mentioned the mission and, um, Steer was born about maybe six months before Shell Magazine was was created. And so we really got to see firsthand the way Steer really was able to act amongst its uh, members, of course, the operators and service companies, but also the community. And the things you mentioned on the mission, um, over the years, it's really been a testament to how really well you guys have done in really satisfying both your membership base of course the operators but also fulfilling the mission that you promised 
them, you know, that you would do by really helping the community understand more about oil and gas. And and so it's no secret that the Eagle Ford Shell has celebrated its 10th year now. And uh, I want to go over, you guys held a very large event here in San Antonio to celebrate it. Tell us a little bit about that event. No, definitely. And, and Kim, we couldn't agree more. It's about having a voice at the table. We have a lot to be proud about in this industry, about the way we impact lives every day. People think of oil and gas as something they just put in their car tanks, but the reality is, is this is the modern day fabric of life, that oil and gas touches every part of society from the cell phones we use, to the Google searches we conduct, to the food we consume, the water we drink, and the life-saving medications and life support that our family members receive every day. That's oil and gas. That's what oil and gas is. And it touches all of us. And if we're not going to beat our chest proudly and talk about what we are as an industry and what we mean to the world, then someone else who has just negative, negative tactics and a misunderstanding of our industry are going to say very dangerous things that, that put our way of lives across this world at jeopardy. And, and oil and gas means so much, and it saves so many lives every year. And the reason I talk about that is that brings me to our event we hosted a couple of weeks ago in partnership with the San Antonio Business Journal at Brook City Base at Hangar uh, 9. And for those of your listeners who don't know what Hangar 9 is, it's the oldest wooden uh, aircraft hangar in the in the entire world. It was built there on Brook City Base uh, early on when, when the Air Force was still part of the Army. Uh, and just an absolutely beautiful venue. And it was an outstanding event. Uh, well over 400 people in attendance. Uh, the leaders throughout our communities in the Eagle Ford, from former Secretary of State, U.S. representatives like Henry Cuellar, all the chambers of commerce, the business community, business leaders, uh, the original founders uh, who drilled the first and fracked the first wells in the Eagle Ford about 10 years ago uh, were were moderated by a great panel by Sergio Chapa with the San Antonio Business Journal, now with the Houston Chronicle. And of course, to cap it off, we had Secretary of uh, Energy, Department of Energy, Rick Perry at our event. And of course, he was just absolutely amazing, full of energy, and talked with the passion and conviction that all of us who work in energy, no matter what type of energy it is, but especially oil and gas, need to start talking about. I mean, when you look at the economic impacts, of course, that's the one everyone goes to, and we conduct annual UTSA economic impact studies. And I mean, I always like to think of everything in terms of sports stadiums. So the, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium is considered one of the eight wonders of the world, and it, it's a billion-dollar stadium. And if you just look at the, the amount of tax revenue for the Rainy Day Fund and other funds we contributed across the state last year, the oil and gas industry contributed 14 Dallas Cowboys uh, stadiums to the state of Texas. Now, if you look at the overall economic impact of the Eagle Ford across that 25-county region last year, you're talking over 134 Dallas Cowboys stadiums across. And that's a lot of stadiums. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of stadiums. But you know what, oil and gas is more than anything. And it, until I became a father, I never really thought about it. I was blessed with identical twin daughters. And they only had one placenta between the two of them uh, during during the pregnancy, and it was terrifying. And it, it every every single week, twice a week, 
We had to go in for checkups. The doctors had to look to make sure one baby wasn't starving the other, and they were using the most cutting-edge equipment and technology. And when they were born at 36 weeks, watching all these medical professionals, all this equipment, being able to save their lives and their mother's life, I, I looked at a world without oil and gas, and you talked about that when you said, what would our way of life be without it? The reality is is my daughters and my and their mother likely wouldn't have made it through that. And, and that was because of oil and gas. And that's where oil and gas will never be replaced. That's what oil and gas is. And that's what we need to talk about. And I, I think you're exactly right in what you're saying. And, and that's why I'm proud about it. And that's why I'm going to beat my chest loud and, and talk about the benefits of oil and gas and what it means to our world and the, and the lives it saves every day. Well, that's some of the things that we really enjoy when we interview uh, different individuals from the energy sector. Chris, when we return, I want to get back on that topic because I want to talk just briefly about other countries not having access to what we have such an abundance here for and how it affects their way of life. And then I want to move into some more of the Eagle Ford stories, if you will. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chris Ashcroft, who is the acting CEO of Steer. And Chris, before the break, we got into a really good discussion about the benefits of oil and gas and how it personally, you know, affected you in a positive way. Um, we've had many, uh, we've been very fortunate to have many interviews uh, on this show. And of course, our, our sole mission of the show is to help better educate the community to the benefits of oil and gas. Um, and one of the guests that we had was uh, an, an author named Alex Epstein, who writes a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuel. And in his book, he really does break things down in the way, uh, in a way that everybody can understand as far as other countries that have limited access to energy or even basic running water. And I think that for most Americans, they, they really don't realize that, you know, more than half of the country doesn't have access to just basic water and, and energy resources the way we do. Tell me your thoughts on the differences between these other countries and the United States and uh, where where energy needs to go pertaining to helping these other countries. Yeah, definitely. And your listeners are blessed to have Alex on there, an incredibly brilliant individual who just paints such a good understanding of what oil and gas is and what it means to people's lives every day and what the energy poor face versus what the energy rich face. And when I, you know, being a former uh, medical officer in the United States Army, I have a pretty good understanding of what, what those parts of the world without energy versus the worlds are. And I look at San Antonio, where we're blessed to be incredibly energy rich, where people own mineral rights under their feet, and where we're allowed to develop that resource in a responsible way. It leads to places like America, where it has massive environmental benefits. We have cleaner air. We have clean drinking water, we have plentiful water, we have plentiful energy, 
We have cheap, abundant energy, and, and all that pours into our economy, pours into our schools, it pours into our health care, all things that we have access to, all because of energy, and then, of course, food. And in San Antonio, we pay some of the cheapest rates in the world for power, and in the interim, we've also had some of the cleanest air, and that's all because of natural gas uh, being utilized for power generation. And then you look at other parts of the world, you're, you they, they lack oil and gas. They lack the mineral rights under their feet, or the, or the kingdoms own, own the mineral rights under them. America is the only place in the world where we own those mineral rights under our feet. As a result, they can't develop that resource uh, in a responsible way, and it's not shared across society like it is in America. And that energy is taken from them, uh, and they can't even utilize it to produce clean power. They can't utilize it to produce and move clean drinking water and get access to water uh, beneath the earth uh, where they live. And instead, they're, they're burning uh, wood and other bad materials in their, in their huts or homes or using oil instead or, or coal or, or other items to burn. And, and it results in uh, a society without those basic necessities that we take for granted every day. That's what STEER is going to focus on more than ever this year, is that understanding where does power come from and how does it impact our lives? So many of us take it for advantage every day when we leave the lights on in our house or we just turn on the switch and we just think power comes from our wall and it's just expected because it's so consistent and we have it every day. We never don't think about not having it. Where in other parts of the world, they just wish every day they could have access to the energy that we have. And that's what Steer needs to talk about this year. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and you are right, because, you know, you don't have to go very far, Chris, to uh, remember Hurricane Harvey. And um, so we were a victim of Hurricane Harvey, my family. Um, and one of the things that, that I noticed was how uncomfortable it was to not have um just running water because we we live off of a a, a well water uh, we have a well so when the well didn't have energy we didn't have access to water and of course there was no utilities all the utility poles were down so everybody was um living off of um these generators right um and then when uh you couldn't get access to gasoline anymore to run your generator you kind of realized now what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, it really uh, gave us a, 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 a very uh, deep, deep look into what life would be without uh, energy. And then, of course, the rest of Texas got to feel it when they started to see the disruption at the refineries in which um, gas was not getting to the pumps. And, and a lot of people started to panic to go fill up their vehicles. And so there was, there was limited access, you know, at the gas pumps and then you saw price gouging. So it kind of just led into so many different things. When we return from break, I want to talk about the operators that are your members and some of the things that they did to come and help, uh, in that, in Texas hour of need, how did they respond? And then, of course, um, talk a little bit about the members that are drilling in Eagle Ford. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. And today we are joined by Chris Ashcraft, who is the acting CEO of STEER, which stands for South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable. Chris, um, before the break, I was we were discussing how uh, energy is just vital to, um, to our lives and how convenient it is and how dependent we are on it. Uh, and I was discussing how it personally impacted me as well, not having access to energy when Hurricane Harvey arrived here uh, in Rockport, Texas. And um, some of your operators um, did some amazing things and, and were there for the community. Can we talk a little bit about who were some of the superstars in Hurricane Harvey, in your opinion, uh, of some of your operators? No, definitely, Kim. I'm sorry to hear how that impacted your family on, on a personal level and, and so many families across Texas, not only the ones impacted by it, but the ones who weren't impacted directly but became the superstars. That's the reality is I remember watching Texas and the way we all responded from from the poor through the wealthy to athletes to everyday citizens just going there to lend a hand and, and touch those lives of the people who had been impacted in such a bad way. And, and of course, oil and gas is part of that. We're part of the community. We live in these communities. We work with those people. And uh, there are so many of my colleagues who live in Houston, or in the Rockport area that had their homes destroyed and lost everything. And these were oil and gas employees. And wow, did the state step up? Wow, did the energy industry step up? Wow, did the citizens step up? Uh, when I watched in the Eagle Ford to start there, our industry, energy industry to be safe, shut down all of our production and wells just to make sure that we wouldn't have any adverse environmental disasters as that hurricane struck through, even though that meant uh, you could just imagine in the hundreds of millions of dollars of shutdown production during that time. And then untested had never been done before in the history of, of hydraulic fracturing of these modern day shale wells. Would they come back on? Would production work like it used to? But they didn't care. They, they did what was right for those communities and for the environment. Uh, and then when, when disaster did strike, I remember Omar, uh, the former CEO of Steer, and, and who I consider one of my best friends, we were out there the next day with our member companies running water, running food, going to all the shelters that had been set up across the Eagle Ford that were taking in people from Houston and Rockport and all that area up the coast. 
in, in order to house them all the way to San Antonio. And just every day we're, all of us were out there uh, pitching in and, and the stories were absolutely horrifying. Just running, I remember this one mother with her two children, uh, they escaped their house in Rockport, which was completely leveled. She was a school teacher there. Uh, the school was also destroyed. And when she got to the shelter with her mother as well, her mother passed away. And it, it was just the worst you can imagine. And I remember industry stepping up and offering her jobs and offering to get her situated again. And I saw oil employees whose houses were destroyed and the oil companies took care of them and moved them to where they needed to do and took care of their employees. And, and this was every company over and over again. And then to watch all the companies open up their checkbooks as well just donating millions upon millions of dollars. And that was all, all the companies from EOG to Conoco to Marathon to uh, BHP to, I mean, the list goes on. They were all opening up and then sharing in that struggle and, and, and being there for the communities. And then to watch how quickly they were able to get that resource back into the communities and get oil and gas flowing. Because we never ran, it wasn't a resource issue, it was a panic issue where people not understanding uh, through all those uh, planning systems, through the book, you know, it threw them in the fire. No one knew how to properly plan and get that resource there. But to watch those industry, energy industry employees working day and night and the power people working day and night to make sure that those communities were restored was amazing. I know that was a loaded answer, but it, but it was incredible. And we even got a chance to acknowledge those first responders and, and those community members and oil companies at our annual Eagle Ford Excellence Awards last year for their involvement. And uh, it, it, it was, it's just such an amazing thing to see families like that come together and what this industry means to the state of Texas. I couldn't agree with you more because I think a lot of times uh, we as a community just kind of take for granted that it's the government that's going to come in on a natural disaster and help us. And and in some ways that is true. I, I'm not going to say that it's not actually true. It is to some degree. But this incident that actually happened with the hurricane, I think 80% of how the oil and gas responded really helped the state get back on its feet a lot faster than if they hadn't rolled up their sleeves and helped and donated money. One of the the covers we did in uh, just this last issue was um, how ConocoPhillips, they did they were selected as cover just to showcase how they really responded to Hurricane Harvey in giving two million dollars to to Houston alone and and, and closing in their wells and, and looking at lost revenue versus any kind of harm that could come to the environment. Oh, you're you're 100 percent right, Kim, and that was even as their headquarters was was underwater in Houston. Their own building was underwater, their own employees, and they were still moving and acting and being part of that community, even as they dealt with their own struggles. Exactly. And I think that kind of is a, is a, is a testament to how involved and how much energy companies, they really do try to do the right thing. Because at the end of the day, for, after five years of doing covers of, of these major uh, energy companies, they're they're human beings too and they do care about the environment they have to live on the planet along with the rest of us so um a lot of times this media hype that comes out that they're really bad and 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 they don't care um just look at hurricane harvey and it tells you otherwise uh but but when we return i did promise we were going to get back on who are the members of eagle ford who are the operators and who are uh, members of steer but we are going to have to take a quick break You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Chris Ashcroft, Acting CEO of STEER, uh, South Texas Energy and Economic Roundtable. Uh, Chris, before the break, we were talking about the operators and how they responded to Hurricane Harvey. I want to get into, though, a little bit, um, who are some of the members currently right now operating in Eagle Ford? Yeah, so of course, STEER is predominantly funded by the operators of the oil and gas industry in the Eagle Ford. They represent about 80% of the total production. And these companies range from international companies like BHP Billiton all the way to local companies based in Oklahoma or uh, Chesapeake Energy or here in Texas like ConocoPhillips. We have Devon. We also have uh, great companies like Incana from Canada, Enervest, EOG Resources. Equinor, we have Marathon Oil, Murphy Oil, Pioneer Natural Resources, Sanchez Oil and Gas, SM Energy. We also have Cheyenne Petroleum Company and EP. Those are all members of Bastyr. And of course, Noble, uh, I'm leaving out one, and XTO. XTO. And those are all the primary members of Steer. We're also supported by the service companies. And we're also supported by members like Chenier Energy, who are massive LNG exports out of the United States helping uh, the rest of the world. These are all companies who believe in this idea of what STEER is, this bridge between industry and communities and forming partnerships to have these lasting relationships and impact in the region and being responsible stewards to the region in which we live and work. Excellent. Now we have one more event coming up on December 5th. It's a luncheon at Pearl, beautiful Pearl Stables. Um, it's your Eagle Ford Excellence Awards. Um, and tell us, tell me a little bit about um, what happens at these awards. Who is eligible to win them and, and what do these awards consist of? No, definitely. So this is, thank you for asking about the Excellence Awards. This is truly the, the gem of what culminates in our awesome year of what we do every year. And this will be the sixth time we've done it. And, and Shale Magazine has always been a tremendous partner in helping us make sure that this is a highly successful event. And I can't imagine doing it without you all. And, and Steer's incredible staff and, and Justine Carroll, I feel like I need to mention her by name just because she does a terrific job every year. Uh, what it's about is, is exactly that. It's about creating this culture of excellence in our industry. It's not about my membership, steer operators patting ourselves on our back. We're not eligible for these awards. And a lot of people are probably shocked with that. Why don't you want to talk about all these amazing things you're doing in the hurricane? Well, we talk about that every day. What we want to do. You got Shell Magazine for. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. What we want to do, those companies who aren't steer, those service companies, those mom and pop shops, those, uh, energy service companies, those those nonprofits in the communities, the schools, the things that they do awesome every day that no one hears about, we want to celebrate them. So what we do is we open up for nominations, and we have four major categories. We have environmental, safety, uh, and health. 
We also have a community investment and an impact award. And it's for small and big companies, so we have both categories. And then we have an independent panel of judges who looks at, at all these nominations we received from the Eagle Ford, San Antonio, Corpus, and uh, Laredo, and all those other parts of the community. And they choose the winners. And even if you didn't win, we invite you to be at that event. And it's usually attended anywhere from 350 to 450 people. And we celebrate them. We talk about their stories, about what they did that made those communities a better place, how they led on environment, how they led on safety, how they led on reinvesting in those communities, whether it was building parks or playgrounds or doing something for a school, and, and, and acknowledging that with this idea of making people want to compete, that true American spirit, and, and, and just leave a lasting uh, mark on the Eagle Ford. This year, I, I can't forget to say this, we we're going to be honored to have an awesome, awesome keynote speaker. Uh, Senator Pete Flores, newly elected, uh, represents much of the Eagle Ford region, will be our keynote presenter this year. And he is going to have such an awesome story to tell about his life and about oil and gas and how it impacts the community he represents. So we're very fortunate to have him. Excellent. You know, Chris, you two things. One is um, first, yes, having Senator Flores be keynote is, is excellent because you're right. He just won. Uh, and that seat has not been held by a Republican in almost 40 years. But but what really um, I'm interested to hear about is he's an ex-game warden as well. He's retired game warden. And he now has in his district, one of the largest districts in Texas, actually, and it has two different shell plays in it. Um, some of the Permian Basin and, and some of Eagle Ford. So um, I, I'm sure that we all want to hear what he has to say. But then also your four awards are really, truly, if you care about the environment, if you are conscious about the environment, what these awards are signifying is you guys are going and hand selecting by a, by a panel of judges, the very best companies that are either looking at um, new products or new inventions coming out to help the environment, uh, great nonprofits that are doing great things pertaining to energy. Then you also have these um, other companies that you're recognizing that are doing just amazing things in the way of energy, but also good for the environment and good for the community. And I don't necessarily, I see a lot of awards. We get invited to a lot of awards and a lot of them are, you know, top company, top CEO, top wildcatter, and not a lot of them take a moment to think about the environment and then to try to showcase the companies that are really doing well uh, in these areas. And that's the one thing that Steer has done very, very well. We, we appreciate that, Kim. And, and, you know, it's like Senator Pete Flores said, I was reading his file the other day, and he said, there's always two sides to every tortilla, which is all the more reason I'm excited <laughs> to have because that means He's a person who believes in partnerships, that there's stories on both sides. And, and that's what the Excellence Awards, and that's what STEER is about. It's about telling that story, talk, about telling that connection in that community. And we need to showcase it, and we need to be proud. And that's what that event is about. It's not about patting ourselves on the back. It's not about some CEO in an ivory tower, no matter what your industry is. This is about the real people in these communities, the people who work every day. And, and that's what STEER is. That, that's who we are. Right. And making the difference. Uh, for all of us. And with that, I do want to say I look forward to seeing you on December 5th at the Pearl Stables for y'all's Eagle Ford Excellence Awards. 
Um, but until then, until we can bring you back on the show here in the near future, uh, that is all the time we have for this show. Chris, thank you so much for coming in and getting us caught up on what Steer is working on. And of course, the big celebration you had pertaining to 10 years of Eagle Ford Shell. No, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for the wonderful stories you all helped get out uh, to talk about this industry. Thanks again, Chris, for being my guest on today's show and congratulations because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's question is, what does STEER stand for? I'd like to encourage our listeners, if you have a question, we are here to answer it. Please email us at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And we will have our resident energy expert, David Blackman, answer it for you. But that is all the time we have for this show. Please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. And follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com. And sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.